0: Hey folks, we are joined now by Matt Becker. He is the reigning fishing clash Angle of the Year on the Bass Pro Tour and started off the first BPT event of the year really well uh, down at Toledo Bend. And I want to talk to him about that. I want to talk to him about some technology stuff. And uh, just generally speaking, I like to talk with Matt about fishing. So We went ahead and knocked it out on its off day, which is a thing that I really kind of like about BPT events. And uh, here it is. All right, folks, we are joined now by reigning uh, Bass Pro Tour Angler of the Year, Matt Becker, who started off the first tournament of the season at Toledo Bend really well. Uh, I believe sitting in second after day one in your group. That is correct.
1: Yep. Thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. I'm always game to talk some fishing, but yeah, we're uh, currently on our off day. I'm getting ready to uh, fish day two for group B will be tomorrow for me. And uh, yeah, we're sitting in second place. Had a great, great first day, great start to the season. So it was, uh, it was good. I was feeling a little rusty going into the day. So it felt good to uh, catch a few fish early and kind of knock the rust off and get back into the groove
0: nice well i have like a whole menu of things i could talk to you about but i think we'll maybe start with toledo bend um because it's the thing that's happening now and i'm just kind of curious about it so i I guess first of all like can you and i'm getting to watch this live now and like we've seen pictures but can you kind of describe what the situation is from a like water clarity standpoint like i get it's winter time and it certainly seems like you know from pictures and stuff there's a lot of scoping going on but like we also heard a bunch about water coming down the river like what's the what are the actual conditions like out there as far as you've been fishing them
1: yeah so <clears throat> um a, a week ago this area was just trampled with rain i mean there was eight inches of rain came through here you know about a week ago and and the lake came up three four feet it's up to full pool right now and with all that rain is just a bunch of muddy water so for me i i hate muddy water i always go towards the dam end and the clear water so that's where i've spending my time is is the lower end of the lake but that that dirty water is making its way down there so the, the last few days here it's been um not a whole lot of wind. So they've been pulling a lot of current to try and get the lake level back down. And it's just pulling all that muddy water that further and further down the lake. So, you know, Toledo Bend's a a giant lake. And for me personally, I've never even seen above the bridge. So that's basically the whole upper half of the lake that I've never seen. But from that bridge down to the dam, that muddy water is working its way down. And I would say it's probably halfway down between the bridge and the dam. The muddy water has made its way halfway to the dam. And uh, it's uh, it's changing things for sure. You know, the the conditions are changing every day as the wind moves it around and the, the current pulls that dirty water down. Um, but as far as uh, other than that, you know, water temperature, we're in like the low 50s, I'd say between... 50 and 55 depending on where you're at right now and uh you know a a lot of a lot of fish on bait and a a lot of fish in the grass
0: okay are you uh how are you catching your fish are you catching your fish like exclusively looking at them out over stuff are you fishing really a mixture of stuff what are what are you doing
1: no 100 percent live scoping with a a little Yamamoto scope shed, the Mickey rig. That's uh, I, I came down here and pre-practiced in December and I really, so it was a lot better in December than it is now. I got to really see how many bass are in this lake. So I pretty much had my mindset after that pre-practice trip on what I was going to do. So I came here with that mindset and just looked for that exclusively throughout the whole practice. And uh, I mean, it's not nearly as good now as it was in December, but there's uh, there's still plenty of fish around, and, and they're just not grouped up as, as much as they were in December. There's a lot more singles and, and doubles now rather than 20, 30, 40 fish groups like there was in December, but um, it, it's definitely uh, definitely all I'm doing is is live scoping, you know, whether it's around bait or, or timber or uh, creek channels. I mean, it, there's no real defined pattern as far as I am uh, just strictly live scoping.
0: Okay. As far as like, uh, as far as like why the fishing got worse from December to now, right? Do you have any ideas? Is that just strictly a conditions thing? Like we had cold weather, then you've got a lot of rain and it's just not as good. Or is it something like more fish are trying to move to the bank because it's quote spring a little bit? like, what do you think?
1: I'm not really sure. I mean, there, there was a a really, um, cold couple weeks there. So, you know, the water temperature definitely dropped and and then all this rain and the muddy water. I I really don't know what caused them to to break up because they were grouped up really, really good in December, but, Hmm. um, it's definitely not the case now, you know, they're a lot more scattered and, uh, it just, I'm not really sure. I, I guess it's a water temperature thing. You know, as that water got colder, they kind of spread out a little bit and just kind of wanted to be by themselves. But, <clears throat> you know, we'll, we'll kind of see as the week plays on, if, you know, as it warms up, maybe they start grouping back up again.
0: Okay. And then you said you were catching them on the scope, shad. Have you tried that like shad shaped worm uh, on a, uh, on a demiki or, have you tried like the five inch shad shaped floater? Cause I was looking at that this morning and I was kind of intrigued.
1: Yeah. Um, I I've definitely tried it. So that my, my bread and butter, the three, three or the 3.75 inch shad shaped worm. I have thrown on a Domeki a little bit, but I like a, a little bit fatter bait for a damiki to allow it to roll a little more. So, um, I, I've really just been sticking with the scope shad, but, that that five inch shad shaped worm, like you said, with the floating material, it is a it's a pretty big bait. So I'm uh, I'm definitely going to experiment with it tomorrow. So you know that was the cool thing about having a good first day is I can kind of pump the brakes just a little bit and kind of expand and and look for you know a, a new area or new techniques because we got a little bit of weather coming in for the weekend. So going to have to find some areas that are a little more protected and uh you know try some new baits just as the fish get more pressured um you know more guys fishing the same areas and catching the fish like it's going to be all about making the adjustments throughout the weekend so i'm definitely going to rig up a few of those and and try them out tomorrow
0: yeah so i guess that's my next question you sort of (coughs) led me right into it as far as uh toledo goes it's a gigantic lake it's, I mean, probably, honestly, it seems like outside of the Great Lakes, it's like maybe the biggest lake that you can fish in the U.S., you know, sure. especially from a tournament perspective, from a bass fishing perspective. Um, what, a, like, there's only 40 guys in the water. How is there any pressure? Like, is it really you in Wheeler and then Drew Gill is going to be there tomorrow and Connell is going to be, like, is it really like... Yeah there's going to be five of you fishing the juice on in the knockout round or what What do you think i, I think
1: it it could be you know there there's their fish aren't everywhere so they're in fairly small areas um and you know there's a lot of dead water like you said it's such a big lake but there is a lot of dead water especially this pattern that we're majority of the guys are running with the the forward facing and the the damiki rig kind of stuff i mean for instance yesterday like i know dustin connell and i were within sight of each other all day and we were wanting to all all day so i mean it was uh it was fairly obvious that that was the the best area on the lake yesterday so we kind of uh burnt it down a little bit yesterday but I definitely think it's, it's going to fish small, especially when you get the top guys from group A and the top guys from group B and they meet in the knockout round. Like I think you're going to see guys fishing on top of each other on the best stuff in the lake, but that's uh, my goal for, for day two is to, to hopefully expand and find some new areas that, you know, maybe the fish just showed up the last couple of days or something like that. And I think that's the, the key to success in this format.
0: Any thought to just running up the lake until you hit clear water because it seems like you want like you want to find that cleaner water and make, I guess theoretically maybe it's coming down from the top if you've got the mud in the middle coming down or is that am I totally off base
1: I mean that's a good theory but that's not how <laughs> I like <it. laughs> so I I'm the opposite I'm heading towards the dam pretty much every time no matter the lake so that's uh, that's where I'll be
0: All right. I like it. It probably also doesn't make sense to like, hey, I've got this one area and then 50 miles away. I found a new area. That's not especially on a lake that size with wind and stuff. That's not helpful.
1: Yeah, that's what I want to find a few areas within, you know, 10, 15 miles of each other. And uh, I, I think the strategy for the knockout round would be to have three areas that I could spend one period in each area and just mill around for like two and a half hours in one area. And then second period, do the same thing in another area and third period, another area, just because I, I don't think you can like run and gun and just pull up and hit a little brush pile or something and then run to the next one. Like, I think you got to get in these areas that have fish and just kind of mill around for a couple hours. So that's kind of my plan. You know, I, I, I really only had one good area going into the tournament and that's pretty much what I've fished yesterday for, for two whole periods. And then the third period, I started expanding, but um, I, I think we're going to need to find some more of those areas just so that I can, you know, kind of have one for each period would be the goal heading into the knockout round.
0: Okay. I like it. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to, I'm going to remain curious about sort of this tournament and how that shakes out. Cause it does look like the mud is, like, coming to you, you know, which is... Oh, yeah. It's working, sort of a,
1: and it's changing things big time, you know. It's uh, it's muddying up some areas that I never thought would get muddy, so...
0: Yeah. Like, you can... I'm looking at the satellite imagery, right, and, like, you can see, you know, January 28th, the mud is, I don't know, let's say mid-lake, and then the 29th, it's, like moved around more in the 30th it's down farther and like there's another place that has it and you know the 31st there's not an image for it so come on NASA help brother out (laughs) I know. but yeah it's interesting
1: yep it's moving its way down there for sure and uh we got another fairly calm day today so they're gonna be pulling that current and it's just gonna keep sucking that dirty water further down the lake
0: all right, I want to talk technology a little uh, and obviously this is early returns on this stuff, but you put up a video uh, on your YouTube and you ran through your boat and it is... I won't say it's the most like tech-filled bass boat of all time because there are a few pretty insane ones this year, but it's up there. Right? It is up and there. And then for- there's, a, there's a picture of you on the water and there you've got your poles down with the trolling motors on them you've got you can see the extra scope on the pole like it's just it's a lot going on so what are the what are our early returns on all of our technology
1: yeah so i mean i it's honestly it's not a whole lot different than my setup from the past few years, I've added a few things. Yes. And it looks like a lot, but it honestly, it's not a whole lot different than what I've been running, especially electronics wise. Yes. I've added the, the bass brakes to the back and, um, a a live scope transducer or actually an active target transducer at the console. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty similar to what I've been running. Um, so like you said, I I don't have a whole lot of time on everything yet, but the, uh, the breaks have been pretty cool. Like I would say day one of this tournament at Toledo bend, I caught at least five bass only because I had the breaks just because of the way that, um, they were, it, it, it basically it gives you opportunity to mess up and, and, uh, miss your first or second cast at a fish and not have the boat, roll on top of them and spook them so you're able to kind of back up and get positioned right and make multiple casts at one fish without spooking it. So that's the, been the main benefit with the brakes thus far and uh it definitely helped me put a few fish in the boat yesterday. So I'm excited to see uh the benefits all year. I mean, I see many uses for them. So it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see how many guys have them here real soon, you know. I think a lot of guys were And myself included like i went back and forth about them and uh was really unsure if i wanted them but i decided what the heck let's just uh let's go all out with this boat and get every tool that i could possibly need you know you don't use them all the time but i want the option if if i need to use this tool i want it on the boat and be there readily available and if it And in this format, you know, with the, the every fish counts format, if it helps me catch one, two, three fish a day, I mean, that could be the difference between making a a knockout round or not, you know? So uh, every little piece of equipment or tool that I can have at my advantage, I'm going to have it. So there's uh, a, I don't understand. I mean, there was a lot of negative, negative comments about, you know, Oh, this is too much and all these, these transducers and everything. But again, it's just, it's just a tool, you know, at the end of the day, that the thing is, is knowing when to use them and when not to use them. That's like the million dollar question is when to use them and when not to use them. Like I have all this stuff on my boat and I don't even have half of it plugged in for this tournament, but it's there and it's available if I need it for a situation. So it's it's just, you know, kind of feeling things out and, uh, you know, knowing when to use them. But like I said, I just want it available if the situation arises that I need to have a piece of equipment. I want it there and available on the boat.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think that, you know, on, <clears> on the one hand, I, I think that we've gone to some like pretty incredible lengths with technology lately. And like trolling motors that go backwards actually are like, kind of the least of our worries theoretically like they're cheaper than graphs and they're pretty dumb (laughs) um all things considered
1: it is is an old-fashioned hand trolling motor that is basically cut off at the head and and uh rigged up to mount onto your power poles like it is a, a trolling motor for a john boat it is the simplest trolling motor available but it's just rigged up and mounted on the power poles so it it basically just has an on and an off switch i mean it's just like a stomp button that's on or if you let off then the, the motor's off so it's it's just on and off there's no speed control or anything um but it is definitely nice and it stops the boat a lot quicker than you would think
0: one one question i think a lot of people have on it especially uh, guys who live up north seem to have on them is how are these things going to hold up have you been out in rough water at all with them do you have any idea on like what the situation is going to be after you run 20 miles and two footers
1: yeah i mean it was it was pretty windy one of the days of practice here at toledo bend and i mean that was probably three footers and i had to run probably 15 miles back to the ramp and that and i mean there's they're still standing, but granted they're, there's still pretty new, you know, so we'll, we'll see. I, uh,
0: and you've got them and you have them on 10 foot poles, which are probably as far as like shallow water anchors that can wobble around, like those might be the wobbliest ones, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) there's a, they're long, there's a lot of things leveraging.
1: Yep. They like to flop around a lot for sure. But again, I mean, if, if there's someone who will break something, it's me. So I will put them to the test. And if, uh, if I can break it, I I'll find a way to break it. So we'll, uh, if, if they're still standing at the end of the year, then that's just a testament to them
0: for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I like it. I like it. Um, <coughs> one other question I had was you're, I don't think you're running any 360 this year and I don't know if you did last year or not. And I feel like, or maybe you're going to add 360 as we get later on in the summer, but it seems like a thing that guys are more going to like perspective or scout mode and that sort of thing, yeah. as opposed to 360. Is that, what's your opinion on, on that? Cause obviously like you've still got a hummingbird on the boat, at least at the console. It's not yep. in this technology. I'm sure you've used in the past.
1: Yep. So I, I uh, I've had 360 on my boat for the last 3 or 4 years now and uh this this year I decided not to to go with 360 and just have a a perspective mode live scope transducer instead of the 360. So there's a few reasons for that, you know. Um again, like just my style of fishing, I found myself not using the 360 a lot, like I would generally I would take it off for the tournament days. So it was not putting fish in my boat on a tournament day. So I decided it was just kind of a, a waste of space on the boat and I wanted to get rid of the 360. And then, you know, I, I'm really curious and excited to play with the perspective mode technology and see, cause if, if it is as good or close to as good as 360 was at sea and structure or stumps or grass lines or something, it's going to be better because it's live and you can see fish actually swimming on it as well. So that's kind of my take on it is I want to uh, play with the 360 and or or the perspective instead of the 360 and uh, just kind of go from there. I mean, there was, you know, a few other reasons. Like I said, I take it off every tournament day, just one for the weight of pulling up the trolling motor all day. And then another thing, which is just, just the selfish thing, but Every time I'd pull up the troll motor and take off, I would get splashed in the face from the water that's running back the 360 transducer. And that just really bugged me. So I decided <laughs> i to get rid of that. And uh, yeah, so I haven't used the perspective a whole lot yet. I, I've messed with it a little bit last year. And uh, it, it's really situational. So it's not an everyday use like the forward is. So I'm uh, I'm kind of waiting for the right situation to come up and uh, really play with it. So we'll have to check in later in the year and see what my thoughts are on the perspective mode. But yeah, I went with the uh, got rid of the three hundred and sixty and went with a perspective transducer instead.
0: Yeah, I uh, so I played with perspective like right when it came out, um, and I think I was probably on the like the thirty-two transducer still. Yeah, I feel like they launched that you know, before the 34 and I, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but it was not, I don't know. I still had a hard time interpreting it. And I was still, you know, I was using just one transducer and like you right. lose so much when you don't have also the forward. Right. But yep, this, uh, down in Florida, this spring or well, this, you know, winter, I guess, you know, last week, the week before like, I was playing around with it some and I was pretty impressed. I was like, this is a cool thing. I'm, I'm, like, I'm seeing, I started to see some more uses for it and having it be live, like, having it be live is definitely it's a nice little deal. Like, I feel like, you know, I mean, heck, maybe, maybe Santee in a few weeks or whatever is going to be a cool lake to have that on for so. sure.
1: That was my thoughts. You know, that was definitely one I wanted to have it for just, you know, fishing around the cypress trees and stuff like that. You can really see what, how it all lays out and what's going on down there. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think there is many uses for it. It's uh, just about figuring out the situation and and when it excels over something else. And uh, I'm excited. I'm going to put a bunch of time on the water, you know, trying to figure it out and uh go from there but you know another cool thing that i think really helps with the uh the image would be like a a zero degree fish obsessed mount for it so i have one of those mounted on there so it gets everything perfectly straight and allows that transducer to sit level and uh get get dialed in you know steve over at bass fishing electronics got me dialed in with the top of the line stuff so i know that my equipment is performing at the best of its capability so i know that uh you know i can really use it to the the fullest and really dial it in and and definitely be able to uh utilize it to help put more fish in the boat and that's what it's all about
0: you're running the perspective on the uh on your like external pole or on your trolling (laughs) motor shaft
1: The perspective is on the trolling motor shaft right above the, uh, the head of the trolling motor. Okay. And then my forward is mounted on the head of the trolling motor. On the barrel. Another one on the, the foresight pull mount for another specific situations. That's one that doesn't even get plugged in until, you know, I'm fishing certain situations that I need it, but it, uh, it's there and available if I need it.
0: Let's uh, boil it or sort of pare this down to like, you know, the from an affordability factor, right? Like, if you were trying to get into forward facing sonar, right? Or even if you're rigging a boat for and it's your first boat or something, like you're trying to do this absolutely budget, you've tried everything. What's like the one thing that you're going to prioritize on a boat over anything else?
1: Um, I mean the first thing that I'd be putting on is the <clears throat> like a Garmin Echo Map 9 with the LVS34 transducer like I think it's $2000 or $2500 for the the package that comes with the unit and the transducer. It's really affordable in the grand scheme of things and uh that you know you can do everything with that. You could you can switch that to perspective mode if you need it. You can use it for just forward but you know, a nine inch screen is plenty big. You can definitely see everything you need to see with that. So like that is, uh, that's probably the most important thing for how I like to fish, you know, and it's all about how, how the angler likes to fish. You know, if,
0: yeah,
1: if somebody just likes to fish laydowns or just flip docks, like you don't need this kind of stuff. And it's all about just figuring out your style and what you need. That's probably the most frustrating part to me about all of this forward-facing sonar debate and everything is like you don't not everybody needs it or uses it like you can still fish your style and go out and have a great day on the water like granted certain tournaments yes you have to have it but to go out and have a great day of fun fishing like you don't need it you can go out and fish any way you like or whatever your style is so i just uh i get fed up with the negativity about it just because it like what I run on my boat does not affect the average fisherman going out and having a good day of fishing, fishing the way they like to fish. Like it doesn't affect that at all. So those, uh, those things frustrate me a little bit, but yeah, I mean, everything's very affordable. I mean, Steve at Bass Fishing Electronics has the, the best pricing available on all electronics, so he can get you set up. And then he's very knowledgeable on, you know, he's not going to oversell you basically. He's going to uh, put you in what you need on your boat for, you know, whatever situation you want. So if you just call up and talk with them, they will
0: uh, hook you up with what you need. Yeah. And he's a nice dude too. And super good fisherman.
1: And a good fisherman. I mean, that, that kind of goes into it. Like, like I said, he knows what you need. Like he's a good fisherman. He understands all the electronics. So like, he's not going to sell you something that you, you don't need or, or like, that's not the best. Like he's going to, he knows what you need basically is what I'm saying. So like, it, it's always good to, to deal with people that know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, the, the argument that you have to have it right. Or that it's like killing everyone is, I mean, there are some lakes, right. There's some times where, boy, you really want it, but yeah, like, uh, on Sunday or on Saturday, I fished a tournament out of my buddy's tracker and it had a hummingbird at the console and that was it. And I had nice. a great day.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Like it was that. wonderful.
1: <laughs> and that's like, yeah, I know I could go off on that tangent forever. It just frustrates me when people get so so just angry and negative that like because I have something on my boat that it affects them and going out and having a good day of fishing. Like the whole reason everybody loves fishing is just going out and having fun and catching fish. And like what I am doing does not affect what the average person is doing. So like, I'm wanting to have the best tools, the highest level, like we're fishing at the highest level of tournaments. So like, I have to have every advantage I can over the competition and every tool available but for the average person even even fishing club tournaments or weekend tournaments bfl is like you don't need to have the top of the line stuff to go out there and compete i mean i did it i i came up through the ranks with with just nothing you know a a 2d sonar and a side imaging like it it uh you know it it you don't need to have it you still have to go out and figure out the fish where they live understand how the fish move that's way more important than any of the sonars but on the other hand i want to have those tools available for me because they're they're out there you know the technology is out there it's available i want to have every tool that helps me
0: yeah yeah so i I'm not sure, but I think this is like maybe the only second tournament you fished that was every fish counts. Um, I know you fished the title on Sturgeon Bay. Um, was it, Have you fished other ones? Because it yeah. looks to me as though they, uh, they saw you win AOI and then we're like, oh, we're going to change the format. We're going to get this guy
1: yeah i don't think that was part of the decision making but maybe i mean they're like well we got to change it back so uh, jacob wheeler can win again right No,
0: (laughs) obviously it's look if there's anything we've learned about bass fishing it's that it's all a big scheme right like they're out to get specifically you or a facebook commenter
1: for sure yeah yeah absolutely but um so i fished yes the we had the I guess it was the FLW title or
0: at Sturgeon Bay. So that was every you know, fish. When Kurt caught 7 million bass.
1: Yeah. When Kurt crushed everybody and caught a hundred and some pounds and made us all look silly. Then uh, I, so the there was one year on the pro circuit where they invited the top finishers
0: to a bass pro tour event. Oh, and you would have won at Murray. So you would have got to go
1: so yeah i actually so the first event of the year i got to go for the bass pro tour because they invited the top point standings from the year before so i think i was fourth in the points so i got to fish the first event on the bass pro tour i guess that was 2021 and that was uh at Sam Rayburn. So I fished one of the events at Sam Rayburn. And then when I won at Lake Murray, I got invited to fish the Lake Chickamauga tournament as well. So this would, I guess, be my fourth tournament of every fish counts. Well, I get I did fish the, the team series events this past fall as well. And those were every fish counts over one pound. But it was a little bit different with the no practice and just kind of not knowing where you're going and showing up and going fishing that day. But um, so, yeah, this I like to consider this my my first real go at the every fish counts, like practicing points on the line, you know. Yeah,
0: this one like really counts. The other ones are like one off.
1: Yeah, they were just one off. So like, you know, I I didn't really, I wouldn't say I didn't care as much, but I had a much more relaxed attitude, you know, because I wasn't fishing for points. I was just there to, you know, do well in the tournament so I could kind of, you know, just kind of mosey around a little more than than this week it was like hey there's points on the line red crest qualification all that kind of stuff so like i gotta i gotta really figure out this every fish counts so um you know i spent a lot of time in the the fall and winter trying to figure out different patterns that you know catch a lot of fish and uh i mean so far one day into the season it was it was a but the other side of it is like, I wouldn't have fished any different if it was a five fish limit. I mean, I still had a big bag of, of five fish. I think I had 22 something yesterday with my five fish. And it wasn't like I was just catching little fish. My, my average fish was probably well over three pounds yesterday. So one, it's a testament to Toledo Bend being such a great fishery. And then two is just like. I'm not fishing any different than I would if it was just a five fish tournament. So it's, you just go out and fish and catch as many as you can and see where you stand. It it
0: seems like the, some of the like biggest format differences with the Bass Pro Tour, it's not necessarily the, for some guys, it's not the uh, every fish counts thing it's the fact that you know what everyone has and that weights get zeroed so often. So like, yeah, you end up with more dead time to, And it's not really dead time, but you end up with more time to practice. Whereas in your, let's say quote standard tournament, it's pretty rare that you really, really have a lot of time to practice because like there's a lot more room for that couple ounce margin to really matter. It seems like, does that make sense to you or am I off base on that?
1: Nope. You're 100% correct. So that, you know, that's my biggest takeaway from, from this format, just watching it previously and now fishing in it this, this season, you know, one day so far, but just watching the score tracker is you can have one really good day and kind of pull away from the pack and then pump the brakes and just totally practice your second day. Like you, you know, in a five fish tournament, like last season on the Bass Pro Tour, you had to catch five every day, regardless, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you caught a giant bag the first day. You still had to go catch five the second day or else you weren't going to make the knockout round. So this format, you could catch 150 pounds on day one and not have to catch a single bass on day two and just practice the whole day. So that's a little different, you know, as far as strategy goes into it. And uh, you know, that's, that's something I'm really excited about. Cause I like those, you know, the strategy side of it and figuring out, um, you know, little, little details like that, you know, basically, um, from what I've learned about it is you're, you're spending your practice trying to find fish for day one of the tournament and you want to catch them as good as you can on day one and then pump the brakes, kind of use day two to kind of expand on your stuff. And then you want to be on your best fish or your best pattern by the knockout round into the and uh, hopefully into the championship round. So like it's uh it's a little tricky, but it's definitely it's definitely uh different than your standard five fish tournament, but it is uh it's a lot harder to do well for sure.
0: Okay. Uh I guess one last thing maybe, and then we'll call it a day here. Uh, but you um this is sort of back on Toledo. You guys had a video up where Drew Gill basically said he was going to like kill everybody. He was going to catch <laughs> seven hundred pounds, uh, yeah. Like five fish every minute. It was really kind of just disgusting stuff. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's backed it up. Um, but uh, wh- I think for that one, you said like cut weight was going to be uh, fifty-three pounds. I think. Yeah. Although I could be wrong on that. What do you think? Uh, what do you think we're looking at? for a weight to make the knockout round so I guess cut weight and this is after you've now seen a couple days of competition and then what do you think we're going to see to win this thing on the final day
1: well let's see I mean I would say cut weight I think you know, after each, after the first day of competition for both groups, it was somewhere right around that 30 pound mark was the, the top 10 cut. So, you know, if you double that, you're looking at somewhere around 60 pound range to make the, the knockout round. Um, and, and I think that'll keep pace. I, I think, uh, you know, there'll be some guys that catch them a little better on day two and some guys a little worse. So it'll even out, but I think somewhere right around that high fifties, the 60 pound mark to make the the top 10, in your group, and move on to the knockout round, and then once we're in the knockout round, I, I mean, it is really hard to, to tell. You know, you don't know if guys are are fishing their best stuff yet, or you know, I, again, we we have a little bit of weather coming in as well. So, the wind's going to blow pretty good on Saturday, at the knockout round, and it's uh, it's going to change things. It's going to blow out some areas that have a lot of fish in them right now. So, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting for sure. I would say. I think around 50 pounds for, for one day, the knockout round. I think if you catch 50 pounds, you'll probably make the the championship round. I think that that'll be safe. And then uh, to win on the championship round, I think you're going to have to, uh, I think you're gonna have to be up there pretty good. I think you're going to have to have 80, 90 pounds to win the one day maybe a hundred. I don't know. I mean, it it just really depends on what, uh, what guys are saving or, you know, backing off, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see, but definitely uh, going to be a lot of bass caught on live the next few days. So you guys are able to tune in and uh, watch some fish get reeled in for sure.
0: That, uh, that is for sure. Um, I uh, saw, um, they've got live now with, uh, you know, some screens uh, where you can see, Uh, at least this morning when I was watching it a little bit before we started talking, like you could see Wheeler's active target, right? It's pretty, pretty cool. Are you going to be rigged up for this? Are we going to get the inside view of the Becker scope? No. So they, they, uh,
1: we talked about this in our meeting the other day that this uh, is only a a Lorance and Humminbird things are set up right now for, with the capability. They're still working out the details on, on being able to connect to the Garmin but they're definitely working on it and that is the plan is to be able to connect to our units and be able to have us fishing and the the screen side by side on the live coverage so as of right now I don't think they have the Garmin figured out but they're definitely working on it and uh, hopefully sometime soon that uh, we'll be able to see everybody's screens and and see what we're looking at and that's gonna be really cool for the fans to to watch that and see exactly what we're seeing you know it, it's uh on one hand i feel like we're giving
0: up some juice oh you, you know? are <laughs> <laughs> because once you're, one, i think that you're possibly giving up like the most juice that's ever been given up is a thing you know like
1: once, once people see and understand what we're seeing on those screens, like it, it's definitely going to give up some juice and, and they're going to be like, oh man, like now I understand it, you know? So it, uh, it's, it's going to be, be cool to watch, but, um, I think it's, it's, uh, the right move and definitely the future of the sport. But, um, again, you know, like I said, I, I I'm just a little hesitant to give up some of the juice.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly would be, I think that uh, like, you know, baits and there, there's stuff that's secret that matters, but I think that, um, I think that like, you know, being able to trigger a fish or what a fish looks like even, uh, or like those little subtle cues, like I was definitely, I was probably the most interested I've ever been in, uh, live fishing this morning when I was watching Wheeler. And it was, I was like, all right, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to learn a thing here. Um, yeah, for, sure. for I, sure. I will, I will say at least, you know, I've only seen it with the lorance and right now, but it there, it's not perfect. There's like a decent amount of lag between like, and sort of like choppiness of the screen. And I know that the lorance can like flicker a little bit sometimes. So I don't like, I'm not willing to say that's anyone's fault. Right. I think that's, and it's probably not what Wheeler is looking at on his screen, right. but it definitely didn't make it as easy to just like one-to-one comparison as you would think because there's a little bit of chop. You're trying to stream two different videos from the middle of a lake on the Texas-Louisiana yeah. border. It's not ideal, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: a service issue. You know, there's not the best service around, around this area. Yeah service thing and and it's just a lot of data to process and you know then send through a wi-fi signal or a phone signal or whatever it you know it's just a lot to go on but it's definitely uh better than not having it that's for sure
0: it it definitely is and like this tournament is going to be you know i mean it'd be incredible to have it for garmin too i would love to watch that uh yeah but it'll be there'll be more tournaments throughout the year where like I think people are going to lock in on it. So I think that's a really cool thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Really exciting.
0: But anyway, I think I got, I asked all the questions I wanted to ask, I think. So I tell you what, man, uh, really good luck the rest of the tournament, the rest of the year. And is there anything, I think you've got hats for sale. You got social. Is there anything else we want to plug here?
1: yeah i know i appreciate you having me on i'm always game to talk fishing so anytime you you need someone on the podcast you call me up i'm on anytime so um yeah appreciate uh everyone tuning in check out uh you know all the socials the youtube channel we've been pumping out three videos a week here this i guess this whole year so it's been a whole month already i can't believe it's february already but yeah so we've been doing three videos a week um so check out the the channel we got lots of cool stuff on there and then yeah definitely check out my website we got some cool hats available um really just kind of stemmed off all the negativity in the industry and kind of what we talked about is i come up with the the slogan or motto i guess just catch more bass like it's at the end of the day, the reason that we all love fishing and bass fishing is just going out and catching more bass, and and like that's what this hat symbolizes. Just forget all the negativity, forget all the the chatter, all the social media comments, and just go out and catch more bass, and everything else just falls into place. So that's kind of where that stems. So you can check them out at mattbeckerfishing.com. But yeah, appreciate you having me on, and uh, hopefully we can reel a few more bass in there
0: throughout the weekend. I think you'll probably catch one or two. I feel like there's a good chance. I don't know.
1: I, I might zero tomorrow.
0: Well, you're not going to zero tomorrow. You'll catch at least one. Okay. Today, you might zero, though. <laughs> I'm definitely going to zero today, yeah. I don't yeah.
1: know. i going to go into a little lake, lake around, but I don't know. It's kind of nice having an off day so I can get all my equipment dialed in and, uh, you know, clean up the truck and boat and then just kind of relax a little bit, but i don't know we'll see i might venture out and reel one in today
0: knowing the part of the country you're in i would imagine there's some small lake with like a dirt ramp where you can catch like 50 to 60 pounds like no problem just should be easy to do
1: yeah i mean there definitely is that they're just there's none really close i wish they were a little bit closer i mean they're about (laughs) an hour away so like it's two hours of driving and you know then you got three four hours of fishing so it just comes a point where it's just not worth the the hour of drive but i don't know We, we may venture out here in a little bit and see uh knock out some more content for the youtube channel and uh maybe maybe reel a few in today